You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. After months of demanding action in Uvalde, Texas, the heartbroken parents and the community finally saw the Uvalde School District take action and they suspended their entire police force. It took a long time. See, in the news today, the superintendent of that school district uh, re- retired. That, that's in the news today. The, the suspension of their police force took months for, for it to finally uh, take place. Let me bring in an expert in law enforcement, a friend of mine from New York City, Lieutenant Commander, New York PD Lieutenant Commander, retired Joe Cardinale. Joe, in order to reinforce school security, look, I know you're in New York, I'm in Texas, but you and I have been on the same frequency for the longest time now. What would you do if allowed? Let's say don't don't take into consideration any laws on teachers not being able to carry firearms or get training if they volunteer to do so. Just let's say you're the emperor. You make the rules. What would you do, Joe Cardinale? to secure American schools, given a, a blank check. Well, good morning, Sergio, and thank you for having me on again. I would absolutely secure the schools at any cost. And that why I say that is we hemorrhage money out of this country for everybody else, all right? And charity begins at home. You can take that money or money that goes so, that's so wasted in, in Washington, I would say, this is my, give me the money I need, and let me just take care of each school on that particular school's needs. All right? No school should be without security in this country in this day and age. Absolutely have to secure for our children. The parents need to know that when they send their children to school, that they're going to come home safe and sound, go there safe and sound, and come home safe and sound by us protecting them. All right? But right now, they lost confidence in the police department. And because of Uvalde, other parents across the nation are like, "Uh uh-uh, I can't trust the cops to do the job that they have to do. So we have to reestablish this trust. But you give me the money, and I'll tell you right now what to do with each school. But you cannot just do it as a blanket statement for schools across the country, because schools like Uvalde in a rural area need special needs. They have special needs, and they need to be addressed on a different level. So we actually came up with a plan for something like that called the Minuteman Program, where yeah. You can uh, actually yeah. have retired law enforcement or military that are qualified and well vetted beforehand to go and assist in something like this in areas where you can't get the response like we get in New York City or in Dallas where they have the teams ready to go at a moment's notice. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, every school is unique. Every police department is unique. And this is what you would have to do. But securing the schools should be a priority before anything Understood. else. Understood. Absolutely. before the school year, not yeah. during the school year. Yes, sir. You know? Yes, sir. Uh, Joe Cardinale from New York, retired NYPD lieutenant commander, looking at securing schools. What would you say to parents in a group setting, let's say they express fear and some, even some education. No, we don't need guns in school. No, we don't need, we don't need uh, cops with guns in schools. We don't need teachers to be trained if they volunteer. What would you say to all these people who are so fearful? Uh, they've been brainwashed to fear a gun. You know what, uh, Serge? The, the fear should be of the guns in the wrong hands, not in the qualified, trained hands. All right. And in this day and age, you should thank you should be 
thankful that somebody's willing to take a teacher would be willing to take that course or take whatever it uh, whatever it needs to be done to have that weapon in the school under a secure condition. Now, I had this argument with somebody here in Long Island, and they said, we don't need that here in Long Island. I said, why? Oh, because they have somebody at the desk, this and that. And I said, well, what happens if they do penetrate the school and the cops are five minutes away? Five minutes is a long time. It's, a, it's an eternity when there's a crisis. Yes, sir. I said, so say they're five minutes away. What do you do? Who's going to stop the threat? And then there was silence, and it's like, exactly. So you need somebody that's qualified to address the threat because it's better to do something than nothing during those five minutes, all right, and at least secure it for that, for that, you know, those five minutes. So for the people that are afraid of this, you know, we took a lot of things out of the classroom, and cops and God are two of the things, all right? They need to be put back in there. A uniform presence, there's nothing wrong with it. Let the kids see the cops on a good daily basis. Let the cops get to know the kids. Here, here. Let the kids get to know the cops and the parents get to know the cops as well. It's called community policing. We used to do it all the time. Yes, sir. But because of politics today, you're not allowed to because of wokeness. You know, yeah. wokeness to me is I woke up this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, can't, I can't address this wokeness. Yeah. Uh, for the life of me, I still don't get it. And it's just so afraid of offending people that we forget the basic needs of everybody which is safety you know and letting everybody just understand that there are threats out there today more than ever we never had this years and years ago you did have isolated incidents but today people use it as a platform to get the attention that they want yes sir yes sir. And you get these shooters and we need to find that out and people need to speak to each other because you will find out about little johnny who was uh, torturing cats as a kid and uh, now is going for a gun permit and you actually know he's got guns or something, you could anonymously turn that person in. But you, unless you speak to each other, unless people take the, uh, the uh, earmuffs off as well as the blinders and start speaking to one another and start speaking to the police and try to head these things off, it's a group effort. It's a group effort between the community and the police. Yeah. And that's what's lacking in this country today is good community policing because... The police are portrayed as an evil force. Yes, sir. Not a necessary force. Yes, sir. So that's that's what's happening today. uh, Retired uh, Lieutenant Commander NYPD, my friend Joe Cardinale, is my guest. And and this, Joe, this is nothing new. This whole using the cops as the boogeyman, even in my culture, my you know Mexican American culture, and, and I know my audience down here will understand, like El Tio. Uh, the uh, uncle, tia, aunt, grandma, la abuela, they would tell little kids, they would tell us as little kids, you better behave. Te portas bien, you better behave. Or le llamo a la policía. I'll call the cops. I'll call the police. The policeman's coming. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to be afraid of a policeman. No, that's... We need kids to engage in the halls and see that policemen, women, are human beings. And they have families. And they have kids. And they can trust them. We need a lot more of that. So I, I would hope that maybe one cop for school or two cops for school, maybe on a, on a regular basis, just like they engage a fire department, front first-line responders, and, and, and see them and see their equipment, same thing for cops. So our babies, if they get, a, they get a bogus message at home or a woke message at home, at least at school, they see for themselves that they're dealing with human beings and family women, family Absolutely. men, right? We need a lot more of that. I, I wish there was a national campaign. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you want to know something? 
I don't think it should be one. I mean, people say, oh, well, he's the school cop. I don't think it should be one cop. I think every cop should rotate into the school. Great idea. And understand what it's like. Great idea. To go in there. You shouldn't have it. You know, just go in there and then have. Here's another thing, sir, that I used to do for my girls and I used to volunteer to do it. I used to take a, a big uh, box I had of, you know, all the drug paraphernalia and every drug simulated drug. You know, like it would be just phony stuff, but it looked just like it. Yeah. But the real needles and real spoons and everything. And I would go into the classrooms and show them this. And I wouldn't be in uniform. I didn't have to be in uniform. They knew who I was. And I would get in there and I'd tell them, listen, this is what you have to be careful of. Do not, And especially today with the fentanyl, yeah. you need to get back in the The rainbow-colored fentanyl, Joe. The rainbow crap that looks like candy these days. It's real scary. Joe, as always, it's a pleasure. Big hug to you. Stay safe, my friend. Retired New York PD Lieutenant Commander Joe Cardinale. This is The Sergio Show. Focusing on your health right now. In the news, this uh, in the news poll today, this from Europe, European Society for Medical Oncology had a recent meeting in France. Doctors, oncologists, blood specialists, they were talking about uh, a new method to screen for cancer. Uh, Pathfinder study. It, it's, it's a blood test. And they published and spoke of results of a big study. Pretty good size, 6,600 adults, folks 50 and over in age. And with this study, they detected dozens of new cases of cancer, many of these cancers at an early stage, and nearly three-quarters were forms not routinely screened for. It's the first time results from this Galeri test. It looks for cancer DNA in the blood. First time that these results have been returned to patients and their doctors for follow-up to do more investigations and necessary treatment. It could save a lot more people. Author and cancer survivor, author of My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity, C.J. Grace. It's a pleasure, C.J. So I just want to get your quick opinion on this new DNA blood tests, cancer screening that might be making a rapid arrival to the rest of the medical market. Just want to get your quick thoughts of this. Sure, sure would be nice to have early screening, but it's, it's so complicated because I'm wondering if maybe it's, it's going to scare way too many people to do many unnecessary tests. Anyway, just want to, want to get your thoughts on this new DNA cancer screening. Yes. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor with a BRCA gene that makes me more susceptible to cancer, yet my oncologist told me that I shouldn't do this test. She said that she didn't think it was ready for prime time. Hmm. When was that, CJ? How many years um, back? I asked, I asked her this in August, and I asked her again just a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, wow. the fact is that this test, it's claimed that it detects more than 50 cancers as well as their location in the body before symptoms present with a very low positive rate. But um, there were variable results depending on the type of cancer. It had great results with lung cancer and seemed to pick up uh, almost 94% uh, of lung cancers. But for example, for kidney cancer, it uh, only picked up 18.2% of the kidney cancers in that Pathfinder study. So um, it's, it's variable depending on the type of cancer. It was also much better at picking up late stage cancer rather than 
early stage cancer. Yeah. And really it's the early stage that you really um, want to have um, a new test for. And in fact, there are new studies that are being done to try to get more results on this to find out exactly how effective it is. And there are some cancers that are very silent. I'm thinking like pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, if yes. you know, right? It, yes. That would it help has, with that. It has found some of those cancers. Um, so there are some, it, it's showing promise, but it isn't yet the magic bullet that um, it might appear in the PR documents from Braille. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I think it would have been already approved by the FDA, which it hasn't been. And it costs $949, which you would have to pay yourself. Your insurance would not cover that because it doesn't have FDA approval. And you also need a prescription to get it, which I think is a very good thing because you do need to, to consult with your doctor to see if this test is right for you mm -hmm. because one thing is a clear result from this test doesn't necessarily mean you haven't got cancer is it generally available even though it's not fda approved i mean what have you seen is it generally available work as you mentioned you can oh yeah go you, back can, to, okay. you can go on google you can get the test there even um i even found a company that will i think for 1250 for, for 1250 dollars will do the consult for you um, but I would suggest going to your own doctor that knows your own history yeah. um, if you really would like to do this test. Yeah, which, you know, puts people, people in a situation, would you rather know or not know? Because <laughs> uh, some people... Right, and right. also imagine, imagine the turmoil of, say, for example, of a false positive, you know. Um, imagine missing a type of cancer that this test claims it screens for? Yeah. Or what about living with the knowledge of having cancer that can't be treated until it's progressed? So, oh, oh um, my goodness. It, it, there are, it, it brings up a lot of issues that, 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 that are thorny problems to think about. There you go. It goes back to the individual and what they think. Good for you? Yes or no? Yeah. Uh, again, I'm, I'm sorry to uh, say if you could repeat for me. This Galeri test is good for Detecting what types of cancers in early stage? Real quick, if you just top of mind, tell me. Uh, um, it was very effective for lung cancer. And okay. it's interesting that the, the test had good results because a large number of the participants were smokers. They specifically wanted smokers and people with a history of, uh, you know, familiar hist familial history of, of cancer. Okay. So that was one of the reasons why you had good results because, in effect, it was skewed towards the cancer that it's very good at finding, which is lung cancer. Um, so that was good. Kidney cancer, as I said, not so good. Mm, uh, but it one. does apparently pick up other cancers that are very hard to, to find, like okay. um, you mentioned pancreatic cancer. Well, that's a good um, one. Ovarian cancer. Those, those are supposedly picked up by this, but I think we need more study. We need okay. to see the results of these new studies that they're going to be doing, larger study, there's a big one that's going to happen in the United Kingdom, recruitment's already close to that, and the Cleveland Clinic is doing the Pathfinder 2 study, um, they're now looking for, for participants for that, All to right. see how well this test right. works to detect cancer thank, thank you, CJ, author of the book, How to Survive After Breast Cancer, My Wild Right, CJ Grace. This is The Sergio Show.
You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. WHO, World Health Organization, says about 55 million people have dementia around the planet. Centers for Disease Control, our country, saying Alzheimer's disease, most common form of dementia, affects nearly uh, close to 6 million uh, trusted source people in our country. Might a lifestyle change, perhaps be more active, walk a bit more, might that help in cutting the chance of dementia? An expert in helping seniors with memory care, and I understand she's a wellness expert with Touchmark. That's a company that has active senior living communities across the country. Is Michelle Sue? I appreciate your time, Michelle. So, how do tell me about what you do, your company, and how you keep your seniors active and fighting off dementia or the effects of dementia? Yeah. Good morning. Um, Thanks so much for having me. Um, at Touchmark, really one of our overall um, goals is to get our residents active, mainly so that they can just improve their function and have a good overall quality of life. Um, but part of that is we've always known exercise is medicine, um, and those 10,000 steps a day have definitely been a CDC recommendation for quite some time. But now what I really like about the World Health Organization is they're adding in that step intensity portion. Um, so speaking a little bit about the aerobic component of our exercise. Um, and at Touchmark, one of the huge pieces that we found so beneficial to help those that already have dementia or Alzheimer's, but also to help prevent um, the onset of that is something called dual tasking. So as we're exercising, not only working out for the body, but also working your brain out a little bit. So we will do a lot of exercise classes that incorporate movement, um, getting that heart rate up, as well as, say, having them recall all their past pet names or counting backwards from 100 by 20 is, okay. or something that's just going to get that brain involved at the same time their bodies move in. Okay. Memory care expert Michelle Sue with Touchmark. That's a company that uh, they provide senior living uh, care. So there was a study that said that if you walk, well, if a person, especially someone that might be uh, might become a victim of, of de- dementia, a patient, uh, they say that if they walk close to 10,000 steps a day, that might help cut the chance of dementia by half. What do you make of that study? Yeah, I mean, really, they've been studying this for quite some time, and I think what is great is they're finally incorporating a little bit more of the specifics. So in, in their recommendations, it says, you know, 9,800 steps. So we're just going to go ahead and round that to 10,000. And I think, you know, it speaks to getting active every day and moving every day and keeping your heart healthy. Um, also looking at lifestyle. So making sure that we're eating healthy, maintaining a good weight, 
um, not smoking, keeping our blood pressure at a good level, all these things, you know, not only for dementia and Alzheimer's, but heart disease and diabetes and other conditions that we know um, affect us as we age specifically. Um, there's obviously things we can't outrun like aging and our genetics, <laughs> but hmm. all these lifestyle things really do help incorporate um, warding off any of those things down you, the line. You know, that study I mentioned to you said that anything north of 10K there's no added benefit. I wonder why it's only 10,000 steps that provide this benefit. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, specific to dementia and Alzheimer's, um, it's great that we do have that number just as an overall goal. Um, but I do think, you know, if you're looking at other areas of your health, your health, um, like cardiovascular health and just weight management, that's where we start to look at other forms of exercise also. So getting in your strength training, so we're maintaining our muscle mass, which helps keep the stress off your joints and keeps your core and you know back healthy. You know, those are all the things that we try to focus on at Touchmark. So when we're doing our fitness programming, um, we've got experts that come in and teach those types of classes and make sure that we're doing even some one-on-one -on -one to really meet people where they're at and see, you know, what they might need some help in in different areas. So, you know, while 10,000 steps is great for overall health and reducing yeah. that dementia risk, we also do recommend um, other forms of exercise and just adding things on okay. as you're able to. That's on the exercise side. Do you, uh, do you help those seniors? change up their diet as well? If so, how do you do that? Or what do you do? Yeah, great question. Um, for the nutritional component, you know, we really just focus on eating the rainbow. So making sure our residents know that eating leafy greens and berries and healthy fruits and vegetables are always kind of a, a main priority, but also things that maybe they're not thinking about, like those um, omega-3 um, healthy fatty acids. So getting in some fish or avocado for some B, B vitamins, which also have been shown to reduce, you know, your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, we talk about protein. So making sure that if we're doing great workouts and keeping those muscles um, strong, that we're getting some good protein to help that repair happen and um, keep that muscle retention going. And obviously just eating, focusing on complex carbohydrates. So trying to cut as much sugar out as you can, um, but all great things that contribute to all these healthy lifestyle um, <laughs> factors and also help ward off disease additionally. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, 10,000 steps is fine. Yeah. How about if I run 10,000 steps, I get a cinnamon roll with some extra sugar on top at the end uh, <laughs> as a reward. You right? know, all in moderation, so, all in moderation. All right. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Michelle. It's a pleasure meeting you. Michelle Sue is with, with Touchmark. This is The Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Seeing the guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control suggest that more Americans should be hitting the gym. Health expert Dr. Joey Spears joining me. 
I understand that 75% of us uh, in this country, Doc, we're not getting enough exercise. So what is enough exercise, in your opinion? Well, I think uh, the CDC set these guidelines that adults 18 and above, you know, ages 18 and up, uh, should do 150 minutes of a moderate-intensity aerobic activity uh, a week. So, you know, that's 30 minutes a day for five days a week. Now, you can actually do 75 minutes of a more vigorous activity, but anything that raises the heart rate and causes you to uh, sweat, not just because of the heat or any temperature-related thing, but your body actually producing um, sweat, that's kind of like that zone you want to be in for 150 minutes. Now, is that realistic? Is that something that, you know, people can do consistently? They're saying no, and that's what the numbers are proving. But what can you do to get active is what they're also saying. Some activity is better than none. So that's really what this hopefully will bring to people's attention, that 150 minutes a week is the standard. That two and a half hours in the heart rate that you need to achieve, can you achieve that just by walking the neighborhood or maybe speeding up the walk a little bit, trying to walk a little faster around the neighborhood, maybe 30 minutes a day or every other day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more like a brisk activity. So their examples you know, may include like, a water aerobics, uh, riding a bike, um, more like you know, level grounds opposed to riding a bike fast on hills. That's like the vigorous level, but pushing a lawnmower that qualifies in that moderate level. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just a little bit more of a brisk walk, but your heart rate intensity and perspiration is kind of a goal, all right. which it all comes down to sit more, move. Or less, sorry, move yes, more, sit less. and uh, include that in your in your lifestyle as a routine. What if, it, if you conduct that walk, uh, Dr. Joey Spears, uh, Healthy Living Pro, we're talking about a recent report: seventy five percent of Americans not getting enough exercise. That's probably a good chunk of well, that's me, <laughs> and that'd be a good chunk of my audience here on Talk Radio. But what about that walk around the, the neighborhood? Let's say you put. Uh, some weights around your ankles, some weights around your wrist, and, you know, like carry stuff with you, maybe a couple of jugs of water <laughs> when you're walking around the neighborhood. Yeah. Is the increased weight, does, does that produce the... Uh, and <laughs> Absolutely. Just, okay. That is one way to expedite this process. So if you're doing more strength and conditioning exercises and incorporation with the raising your heart rate, again, they cut the time from 150 minutes to 75 minutes by just increasing the activity level. So... You know, you could do an hour and a half of, or hour and 15 minutes of intense activity one time a week, and then you're satisfying those standards, and doing anything above that will actually be even better for you, of course. But the idea to even challenge yourself, that's what they're trying to show here is like example one, do 150 minutes or 75 minutes in example two. So if we can increase our heart rate and challenge ourselves, weights are a great, you know, ankle weights or holding yeah. even little barbells out when you're doing a brisk walk, um, changing your elevation, challenging yourself. And it really comes down to increasing your activity level. I mean, sitting is a new smoking. We've heard, we've heard that before. But what is that doing on your long-term health? And activity is key. And it's not only good for your body, but mentally, chemically, emotionally. And if we can work on getting more active. And this, this study was done in 2020. It was data, well, data collected in 2020, as we know. The world shook, you know, to its core in 2020, and people stopped focusing on how to be healthy, more on how to 
maintain or stay unsick. And if we can get back to that, let's be healthy and also prevent, hopefully this is on that path. But I know gyms closed and things like that. So this data, I I want to venture towards the idea that's a little bit more skewed, but it should bring to light this 150 minutes. That was something when I tell people, they're like, I didn't even realize there was a standard 150 minutes. That sounds like a lot. Well, it's 30 minutes a day, five days a week of just walking briskly. Yeah, that's like, just. Oh, I could do that. That's just two and a half hours, people. That's that's uh, that's not much, uh, but you know m- the trouble of late, and d- you know during uh, Dr. Joey Spears, uh, my guest right now, during the pandemic, we found it real easy. <clears throat> uh, my family, say my wife and I and the kids, uh, evening walks because the schedules were very different, especially on the school schedule mm-hmm. side. Everything online, everything seemed to be more convenient. Now it's driving all over the place, back to the campus, mm-hmm. back to the tutor back to this music lesson, you know, to uh, back to the university. It's, it's all over the place. And just the drive. And, and you know, we, we live in a moderately sized community. I can't even imagine what people like in Metro Houston or Dallas where the commute time is more than an hour. Just mm-hmm. all that just worms into time. It was easier back then. Uh, and, and, and now for some reason it just seems I, I feel weaker. Uh, I am drained. I'm completely spent. I mean, I'm up at 3, I'm checking news and just taking care of stuff at home and then at the office around 5. And by the end of the day, brother, man, I am completely spent. I I have no energy. I'll put a little bit of salad in my mouth, maybe a little protein, some mm-hmm. chicken or something, and I just want to go to bed. And uh, and, I, and I, I know I should be walking out the door with the kids, but they got homework, you know, out their ears. And they need to yeah. stay, stay seated. It's just... And, I'm, I'm no, trying. I understand that I'm feeling too. And yeah. it's, you, you just mentioned you were, you're waking up early enough that you are using your energy throughout the day that you go to sleep and you're worn out. You see, like right now would be the uh, optimum time. If like we had like a producer, yeah. Freddie and I, if we had a treadmill, we'd be doing the talk show on the treadmill. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. That's what I want to see. I want to see you walking <laughs> and the headphone and the microphone. I feel strong now. Breathing heavy. Yeah. I was just actually, I was getting ready for this call and I'm running around. I'm chasing my two-year-old, and I feel a little winded. And hey, I'm going to count that for my minutes. I promise you. <laughs> there, there the day. <laughs> That'll keep you healthy. Yeah, that two-year-old running around, you're That's in right. trouble. Yeah, you definitely got to keep up. Oh yeah, uh, you'll be burning calories. <laughs> it's a pleasure, Dr. Joy. Appreciate your time. Again, 75 percent of Americans not getting enough exercise. Try to increase that, people. Dr. Joey Spears, my guest. This is the Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Rent prices increasing nationwide. Housing expert David Rauch joining us again on KURV. Dave, what's the average price for rental property nationwide? Nationwide, it's it was sixteen hundred dollars. It's risen a little bit. It's now about 
two thousand a month rent average. When's the of last time that, we saw sixteen hundred, Dave? Uh, that was about uh, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So rents are rising, evictions are rising too. Just quick math on that with twelve, thirteen percent increase. That's well north of the inflation rate. Inflation still north of eight percent for everybody, producer and and consumer. What? Yep. What do you What do you see all this headed now over the next year? Like this time next year, do you Do you see rent uh, continuing to increase at the same place? Thirteen, fourteen percent. No, actually, um, rents have stalled a little bit here uh, in September. Uh, they've stopped increasing, and uh, you know the other the main thing that's changed is that the housing industry, new home industry, the purchase of new homes is completely stalled, mm-hmm. and that has to do with the rising interest rates. And uh, you know the cost of owning a home is now much greater than the cost of renting. So renting will continue to increase a little bit, but the new home market has just tanked. Well, that toys with inventory and the fact that no new homes are on market and with more demand for renting you'd think that the rent would still increase over the next year because of all the the pressure all the demand for rental properties yeah it no rents are going to continue to increase you know we've got two to three million people nobody really knows that have entered our country that are putting some upward pressure on rents mm-hmm, and, and now that people can't buy homes because they're so expensive and the cost to finance them, interest rates are so expensive, rents are gonna to continue to increase. The two to three million people housing expert David Rock is, uh, Rauch is referring to, yes, it's the folks who crossed illegally, plus the folks who evaded and they're living in the shadows out there somewhere looking for low rent places somewhere. The folks who were processed by Border Patrol and were released into the country, at some point, I think an immigration attorney explained to me that after about a, several months, eight months or 12 months, there's subsidies for rent for them as well. So that will be paid by the government. So I'm thinking investment into uh, government subsidized or low rent properties, apartment buildings or housing units, that might be, you know, a smart investment for some builders if they create more of those apartments in, in big cities. What do you think? Well, you know, that could be. Um, I have to take exception. When you say the government pays for it, you have to remember that's you and me. That's true. The working folks are, are the ones paying for, you know, all these people coming into the country mm-hmm. and subsidizing not just their housing but subsidizing their food and their education so but but you know the affordable housing market that you're referring to is kind of like a shadow market it's not quite the free market that we're used to uh, in housing because when the government subsidizes a market like it does with the affordable housing market it's it's um it doesn't respond to simple supply and demand like a regular market. So, so it's hard to predict what's going to happen with the affordable housing market and subsidized housing because at some point the government's going to change what it does. Mm-hmm. And I stand corrected because, yes, it is the American taxpayer that pays all the bills. And in this case, it actually will be our grandchildren since most of this is 
pretty much all of it is deficit spending anyway. I guess the better question would have been, does, because I know you're a building expert as well, as far as construction, I understand, as far as, you know, mm-hmm. ProTech building yep. services. The better question would have been, does a, a situation like this, where, let's face it, we've, we've two, three million people, well, two million we know of, about another million or two, so that's about four million more in this country mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to sleep. Does this spur in, your, in the construction industry, do you see it spur increased construction of apartment complexes or, you know, quote unquote, affordable housing that is subsidized by the taxpayer? Uh, yes. Um, you know, it's not just all the people that have come into the country in the last three years. Um, people have left the cities. Uh, a lot of people have left the cities and are moving to the suburbs, which that too is spurring uh, rental construction. And also people have re- left high tax states, New York and California specifically, and they're headed to other states and uh, suburbs in particular, and that's spurred new home and rental construction. But the problem is, is that while that demand is up, the cost to finance that construction is mm. way up. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> that's true. So, yeah. so you're gonna, you're, all, we're already seeing new home construction stalling throughout the country. Big home builders. Lennar, Pulte, um, these guys have have uh, let go land deals. They they know that they're battening down the hatches, and it's going to be a year or two of very low new home sales. And it's the same thing with um, apartment construction. Yeah. Now that it's expensive, because you know the cost of money is one of the largest costs of building a new home or uh, apartment. And that cost of money has now uh, gone way up. Yeah. David Rauk is a housing expert, also keeps an eye and an expert in, in construction issues nationwide. But I'm thinking individuals that have you know, a couple extra million bucks in their pocket, you know, some big builders, that would likely be a smart investment. If they can find the materials, that would be a smart investment. Let's create a few more apartment buildings because, well, as you said at the beginning, it's cheaper to rent right now than to buy, mortgage a home. That might be a safe investment if you've got the capital on hand. Correct. And it's interesting, too. Um, recently, there was news that a lot of home builders, because they're sitting on homes that aren't selling, are now selling those new communities that they can't sell to private equity companies, Wall Street, at, who are in the business of renting them out. And that's a new a new thing we've seen in the United States in the past five years, Wall Street, private equity firms, Blackstone, and others getting into the home renter, rental business. It's very interesting. And, and actually, it's quite, quite um, common down in Texas there, too. Isn't that undermining, as I mentioned, the private investor with the capital? ready on hand to go ahead and try to invest in this and get some return with a high price of rent? Absolutely. It's undermining uh, home buyers generally. Um, last year, 2021, 24% of all new homes that were purchased were purchased by private equity firms to turn around and rent. And, uh, you know, they saw this 
uh, impending recession coming. There we go. And so they see rentals as a great investment. And obviously, they, they're standing in line to buy a house with others, and they have all cash, and their borrowing costs are much lower than you and I. And so, you know, they're able to buy houses um, much easier than the normal American. And, uh, and it's, it's something new. And we haven't seen it before, and it definitely hurts the folks that want to pursue the American dream of home ownership. Doesn't take much to read the tea leaves on that one. You know that inflation yeah. is hot. You know the interest rates are going to go through the roof. You know that people are going to segue from purchasing homes to renting a place to sleep. Yeah, they're yeah. 18, 24 months ahead of everybody else. They're paying attention to the markets. You can make money doing that. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure yep. speaking with you again. Appreciate your time. This is The Sergio Show.